Good morning, Faversham Community Church. Steve here. It's great to be with you uh, this morning. I've got to say, I was very much looking forward to being with you in person when this date was first arranged with Sam uh, some time ago, before all this kicked off. Uh, but at least look on the bright side. You won't find me trying to turn most conversations during coffee time at the end into one about films. So there's always a positive, isn't there? Um, with that in mind, this whole situation, crazy situation we're in, it might well be a time of limitations and hindrances. But I trust that under the bonnet, we can discover this is a time for recentering. This is a time for refocusing. And so discovering, as your sermon series is currently all about, that discovering what truly matters. This whole context, it's already shedding light on things that once held value in our society can very pr quickly prove to be very much worthless. Oil has dipped, the prices of oil have dipped below zero, it's crazy. Um, but then things that have dwindled in the past in our society have suddenly proved to our nation to be absolute gold. Community, what is this? We, we love community in a new way, in a fresh way. We're rediscovering it as a nation. And so the same for us as a church. It's important to ask, what had we lost sight of? What do we need reminding of? What truly matters? And so um, I'm going to be talking about the subject of generosity this week. Last week, Mike shared about God's intent for caring for the poor. And there's a big overlap here, to be honest. And in fact, this is pr pretty much part two of Mike's message. Uh, sometimes we as God's people need to hear things more than once. Sometimes we need a bit of four by two around the head until we finally get it, don't we? So that's what I'm going to be speaking on today, the subject of generosity. The Bible has much to say about this. As Mike mentioned last week, even right back in the Old Testament times, we see in Deuteronomy Chapter 15, we find God himself defining his own economic kind of recovery program, which was never a reaction to a crisis like ours tend to be today and will continue to be pretty much. Um, but his was built into everyday life as a system of release and debts being cleared every seven years. So in that way, no one was ever trapped in a long-term cycle of poverty or loss, but instead people were wrapped up in a cycle of generosity and community. And this heart continues long into the new covenant as we now stand after Jesus, the awaited Messiah, has come. But this heart is now expressed no longer as prescribed legislation for God's people, but simply as an automatic posture of the heart that we should be seeking and running after. God's Economic policy may have a different look now, but his intentions and his expectations have never changed. He now stirs and expects these same principles in us, his people, simply as a result of being saved. Generosity is a gospel response, not just a nice idea. We get to see it straight away in Acts chapter 2, um, verses 44 and 45. We see the baby church, newly birthed church. And here's how they're expressing it and living it out. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This is what they did because of who they were. And then even in uh, 1 John chapter 3, uh, Jesus is best mate while he was on this planet, John himself. He says this and he's quite blunt he doesn't pull any punches 
Uh, 1 John 3, verse 17, he says, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? To not let the world's riches have a grip on us, but to freely release them, knowing that Jesus' hold on us is even stronger. That is a freeing act that propels us further into knowing his goodness and his grace over us. Just as a side note, I need to say this, this extends to far more than just money. This is about how generous we are with our time. This is about how generous we are with our energy. This is how generous we are with our interest and consideration, our thoughts for others rather than thinking about ourselves in our own little bubble. It's about being generous with our thought life. This is about worshipping with our wallets, but it's also about worshipping with our watches. It's worshipping with our world, the resources that God has given us in general. This is about stewarding all that we have been given for the sake of the gospel, for God's glory and for the blessing of others. But saying that, in our Western consumerist society where we live, money is probably the best diagnostic means for discovering how generous we really are. Money tests our hearts like little else, doesn't it? We can think, yeah, I'm not as stingy as other people. Just look at her. Look at him. Oh, it's always easy to point the finger. But one way to discover for yourself to discover for myself how generous we really are, is to ask simple questions like, whenever I consider giving from my resources to someone else, does my heart leap at the thought or does it bristle? Do I get excited about the thought of their gain or do I get edgy about my loss? And John Wesley put it brilliantly, he was talking about giving to God in general, and his question says this, he says, the question is not so much how much of my money will I give to God, rather how much of God's money will I keep for myself? That one pinches my heart. See, this is not about the numbers. Some of us have little, and whatever you can give is measured by your context, not the size of your cheque. Some of us have much more, and Paul in 1 Timothy 6, he speaks to the rich themselves, and he doesn't tell them to feel guilty about being rich or to give it all away, don't be rich. He doesn't say that. He simply says, be generous and be ready to share. See, regardless of your situation, this is about the size of your giving spirit, not the size of the gift itself. But what really helps us here is remembering who we are and therefore where we stand because we get to do this because we're already rich in fact I love it in the English the word generous or generosity that comes from the Latin meaning of noble birth man that is exactly who we are as Jesus's family we're his noble people and there's therefore generosity should be an expectation not a nice to have as God's children we are swept up into his explicit royal purposes and if the earth and everything in it is his, Psalm 24, then whatever our situation, we have enough to fulfil those purposes and those commands that he's asking of you and me, which includes blessing others with what we have. Jesus gave up his riches and his royal comfort in order that we might receive his, his inheritance. 
he came to serve in ministry and ultimately in his greatest sacrifice upon the cross so that we, broken and destitute without his mercy, we can receive adoption into his royal household. That's what he's done for us. His mercy cancels our debts and his grace makes us far richer than we can imagine. Because of Jesus, we can know we are safe as we step out in passing on his example and his resolve of generosity. And because of that, we can do so willingly, freely, boldly and cheerfully. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to turn with me. And verse 6 <clears throat> says this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. God gives us good things, not in order to be spoilt brats with a heavenly trust fund, but in order to be generous in every way. His word guarantees that our Father will supply and multiply what he gives us in order to keep on sowing and reaping a harvest of righteousness. This is about the gospel. This is about his kingdom advancing. This is about Jesus being made famous and his family growing and we get to join in. This is far reaching. This, this can be expressed in so many different ways and as well as regular giving to the local church our primary means of worshipping with our wallets on top of that we have abundant opportunities there's plenty of charities we can sow seed into we've got the schools work trust we've got ymca and their work with the homeless and, and there's countless good ones we can we can we can invest and sow into for the advancement of god's kingdom we uh in, in small things being willing to be the first person to get the round in i'll get this one or to pay for a meal. It's having that posture of heart that is just ready to be generous. Oh, I'll get it. Asking a simple question. Who in my church family would be blessed by an anonymous gift? Maybe it's buying extra food for the local food bank. It's This is about looking out for the marginalised. This is being generous with our thought life as well as with our money, isn't it? Maybe, depends on your situation, maybe after lockdown uh, you have a spare room and you could offer it to someone as cheap or free lodging who might need it. It depends on your context, some might be able to do that. These are just examples I'm plucking here, but I hope you understand that this is a far-reaching opportunity. It's simply about the posture of our heart and we're just being ready, cheerfully, to give. We as a family have been on the receiving end of generosity when we've been in need. A few years ago, uh, we were in Stuck when it came to income to do with Jenny's health and what she was eligible and not eligible for. And we were 
in Stuck, we there was one point I remember one Monday morning I sat down with my Bible and I was praying, and having done the calculations, I realised that over a set period of time we needed a, a quite a few hundred pounds on just the basic ins and outs of each month um, to stop us getting into the red. We needed a few hundred pounds to last us for about two or three months, I think it was. We just needed that extra, and we did not have it. We were going to get into the red, and I just prayed about it, a simple prayer, Lord. This is the situation. I'm leaving it in your hands. We need X. Three hours later, three hours later, friends who we hadn't really been in touch with much recently in Spain emailed me to go, what's your bank account number? Uh, we'd just like to give you a little gift, just something to bless you. So, uh, okay, so I sent them my details thinking it was um, money for a meal out. You know, it's just a little present. They sent us the exact figure three hours earlier I've been asking God for. That was only possible because others, brothers and sisters, were willing to ask and listen out to God out of a generous posture. Who can we bless? What do you want us to do right now? They were willing to listen. They had a generous posture of their heart. And God answered a prayer. It's a story about a money miracle, but it's also a story about generosity. Um, as a family, we have also had the privilege of enjoying what it means to be generous to others and and to enjoy Father catching us every time. I'm not going to obviously share, share those ones, but it's exciting. It's life-giving. It's the adventure that is the gospel that we've been swept into. We get to enjoy this together. I just want to read one more example from um, Philippians chapter 4. And verse 14, one more example that helps sum this up before I finish. Uh, this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi and from uh, verse 14 of chapter 4, this is what he says. He says, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Praise the Lord. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. They gave freely, and Paul was on the receiving end of that. He, he appreciated it fully. He was very grateful, but he also points out at the end, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You're rich in Jesus. He will supply everything you need to keep on giving. We, as God's people, are in the privileged position of being able to give cheerfully and sacrificially, knowing that our good Father will catch us every time. It's a win-win situation. And so be blessed, enjoy the adventure of giving, and let's see what God does. Let me just pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good God who catches us every time we step out for you, every time we step out in faith. Lord, we thank you that you have uh, swept us up into this adventure of living out your purposes, of making disciples, of preaching the good news of Jesus to everyone around us with our hands and with our mouths. Lord, we pray that you will grant us boldness, 
you will grant us uh, confidence, you will grant us joy and peace as we seek new opportunities to do so. Help us, Lord, to live out what it means to be your noble people and to give you the glory and to see others get swept up into the same family as we are as a result. We thank you for these things and we praise your mighty, mighty name. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, Faversham. I'll see you when I see you.